Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. It's so good to see everyone here. A lot of different countries represented. A lot of, uh, lot of Americans represented here this morning. Amen. 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 It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. Before our pastor comes, let's, let's lift our hands. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light unto our path. Lord, I pray that your word would lead us today. I pray that your word would instruct us, oh God. It would counsel us, oh Lord. God, we open our heart and our spirit to your word today, oh God. I pray that we would not be, I pray that I would not be, oh God, consumed with other things, God, on on my mind, Lord. But I pray that attention and focus, Lord, would be God, in me today, oh God, we pray for your presence to be in this room. You said where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Lord, and we believe that you are here this morning. God, we're open to your word today. Speak to us in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Let's welcome our pastor as he comes to teach this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Oh, let's clap our hands and praise the Lord. Would you do that? Praise the name of the Lord. We love the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. You remain standing for the reading of the word of the Lord. I I do want to say um, welcome to All Nations Sunday. This is probably our biggest Sunday of the year. Today, tonight, we will be seeking the Lord and our pledge of what we're going to give to missions that we give around the world. We have some that are tuned in right now from Guatemala, amen, and we're so thankful for the missions work that has been done in Guatemala through this church. We're so thankful. Fifteen churches there. It's amazing. Brother Noe, Sister Don, Olivia are doing an amazing job, and I know they're tuned in right now, and we honor them. And uh, uh, so today I'm dressed from an African descent from an African country, and uh, they tell me I have some soul with me anyhow, amen. But uh, we're so thankful, and all of those that have dressed different and, uh, and honor those countries that we minister to and send missionaries to, we're so thankful, because God, God loves everybody in the world. How many know that? He loves us all. Look at your neighbor and say, the Lord even loves you, praise God. Amen. I... This time next year, while you're turning there in Galatians 4 and 9, this time next year, this service will be on the last Sunday, the last Sunday of October. On a Sunday morning, our guest speaker is going to be Brother Wayne Huntley. Amen. He's going to be preaching our missions weekend. So uh, if you haven't heard him, you've missed out. Besides my dad, he's my favorite preacher in the world. We're excited that he's going to be here. How many glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Isn't it wonderful? So I, I will pick up where I left off last week in teaching, but I'll start with a different text, but get back to Galatians 5. But Galatians chapter 4, verse 9 says, But now, after, the, after that ye have, what? Known God. Aren't you glad you know who the Lord is? 
after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in what? Bondage. Why are you going back to your old ways? He said you are now a better way. You have a better life. Why are you trying to go back and do things that you did when you were in bondage? And so from that, I'd like to teach you from the scripture today on simply, you are better than that. You are better than that. I want you to turn to two or three people before you're seated and say, you are better than that. Amen. Amen. Come on, tell somebody, you're better than that. All of our teenagers in the building, all of our teenagers, we want you to come. If you're not sitting up here with the youth, I'd like you to sit up here because I certainly direct teaching. But just one moment before you see that we want our teenagers and our youth group, if they're not up here, we want them to come. I see some scattered around the back. Come on, I see you. Come on up here with, with, uh, with the youth today. Would you do that? Move quickly because uh, I'm running out of time here this morning. All right. Praise God. You may be seated. You are better than that. If you grab your Bibles with me and turn to the book of Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, it, it, it tells us, um, I've been teaching about the fruit of the Spirit, and I think the understanding of the fruit of the Spirit, you have to understand the work of the flesh as well. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is not from you, it's from Him. Amen? And uh, so in the context of Galatians 4, Galatians 5, it's really written in the same narrative. And so when you see what Galatians 5 is saying, it says in Galatians 5, verse 16, let's look and see what it says again. I read this last week, I'll read it again today. It says, this I say then, walk in the Spirit. Everybody say the Spirit. Notice it's capital S, meaning God's Spirit, the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, all meaning the same thing. And it says, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I taught you last week that lust in the Scripture is more than some sensual desire or sexual thought. It's, it's appetite. You can lust after a cheeseburger, pizza, Diet Coke. Boy, it's so awkward in here right now. You can desire things. How many know that's true? Love not sleep, the Bible said. You'd be given to poverty. But, but everything in your life that you have a desire for has to be capped, has to be governed. Every desire has to be governed. If, if you don't govern what your appetite to eat, you'll become a glutton. How many know it's true? And uh, if you don't, Curb your appetite to sleep, which God gave you desire to sleep. And sad that average person sleeps 30 years of their life. Do you know that? 30 years of their life. You sleep about a third of your life. That saddens me somehow, but God made you to sleep. But he said, don't love sleep. So if there is a desire in your life of some sort, it has to be governed. It has to be capped. And he goes on to say, he said, if you walk in the spirit, ye shall not fulfill the what? Lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit. What does that mean? It desires things the spirit doesn't want you to do or have. 
It says, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. That means what your flesh wants and what God's spirit wants can be two different things. Amen? And it says, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. When you follow the spirit of God, you won't do what you used to do. You won't end up where you used to to, to be. Your your concepts will be different when you were led by the Spirit. Romans 8 teaches us that there is therefore now no condemnation to them that walk what? After the Spirit and not after the flesh. I don't have to live in condemned or guilt uh, of of this condemnation because I'm not following what I want as a Christ, uh, as a follower of Christ. Probably one of the greatest doctrines of all of Christianity is simply self-denial. Deny yourself. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, he said, deny yourself, take up your cross. Any man that come after me, you've got to deny yourself. Everybody say, I've got to deny myself. When you get married, you better deny yourself. It's about self-denial. Relationships is not about what I want. In an amazing marriage, what you'll find is when the husband denies himself to see his wife's desires and dreams come to pass. And it's when the wife denies herself what she wants to see her husband's dream come to pass. It creates a dynamic. It creates a dynamic in a marriage because it creates trust. You know they're not selfish. That they want you to succeed. If there's only one person succeeding in the relationship, it's an out-of-balance relationship. How many know that? Our relationship with God is, is certainly similar. And it's that I don't want what I want. I want what you want. It's not my will, but thy will be done. I mean, no, he, he denied himself so you could come out of where you are to succeed in the area of life that you can succeed in. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, but he chose to come out of heaven on the earth, denied himself so you could be blessed. How many grateful that he did that? He didn't have to, but he did. What caused him to do this was simply one word, love. Love is a powerful thing that we get from God. Love causes you to deny. He goes on and he says, he says, so that you cannot do the things that you would. I mean, oh, you change when you get married. Some of you don't wear the things you used to wear when you got married because they didn't like it. You started appeasing yourself and appeasing them and started wanting to please them. And some of your diets changed and what you used to eat, you don't eat anymore. Some of the things you're not ever going to stop eating because that's just you like it. I mean, it's true. But they say over a period of time, a husband and wife will start looking like each other. They start taking on each other's facial gestures. Why? Because they become like one another. Two shall become one. That's right. And what we should be in our relationship with God is that way. We deny ourselves in such a way that we start becoming like Jesus Christ. The Bible says they perceived that they were the follower of Christ. How? They said their speech betrayed them. All of a sudden, they started talking like him, walking like him, and being like him. I don't want you to look at me and just see a guy from West Virginia. You know, I love West Virginia, but I hope that when you see me, you'll see a resemblance of Christ in me. And they that know you should see Christ in you. Come on, touch your mind and say, we need the mind of Christ. How do you get the mind of Christ? You've got his word. You've got to deny yourself. Start thinking, what would Christ do? What would he want me to do? How would he want me to live? The only way you start changing is through self-denial. 
Well, what, my family, we just don't do it this way. Well, your family's wrong. Sounds like a marriage, doesn't it? My mom didn't cook it that way. Well, I'm not your mom. My dad didn't do it this way. Well, I'm not your dad. And so these concepts that we bring into relationship from background, everybody that comes to the Lord, you're bringing a background to your relationship with God. And you've got to choose, am I going to keep doing what I've always done to get what I've always gotten, or am I going to change my ways to have a better result? And when you do it God's way, it's always the best way. Always the best way. Somebody say amen. And so he goes on and, and he writes, he says, he says in verse um, uh, 18, but if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. What's he saying? He said, he said there's, there's no need of the law if you're led by the Spirit. Why? Because God's Spirit will never cause you to do anything that's against His Word. If you are led by something that calls you to do something that's not of His Word, it is not God's Spirit, it's an unclean spirit. If a preacher tells you to do something that against his word, they're not a man of God, they're a person of their own flesh or maybe influenced from a wrong spirit. You've got to realize God's word would never oppose his spirit. His spirit and his word are one. Do you believe that? In the beginning was the word, the word with God, and the word was God. God would never oppose his own word. To live out his word, amen, you will feel, fulfill the, the desires of God's heart. But when his spirit prompts you, and we are a spirit-filled church, we are led by the spirit. You're going to hear me teach soon about following the dove from Noah's Ark. If you'll follow the dove, you'll always find new life, and it will always be clean and right. If you'll follow the spirit of the Lord, it will always be perfect. Do you believe that? But if you follow your flesh, you're going to end up in a bad place. Your flesh, look at your neighbor and say, you're the problem. Man, it felt good to say that somehow. But look what it says. He said, you, he said if you're led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. What's he talking about? God's Spirit will always lead you in the path of the law. I'm not just trying to live these rules. The Bible says the schoolmasters weren't good enough. That they could not fulfill the law. They, there was this in them. Paul later writes, he said, in know what good thing when I was too good evil is present with me in me is the problem it's in my flesh the devil that's why the devil's so mad because he gets blamed for everything it's me and Paul was addressing the person not the spirit he's talking about person of God the person living for God and he says it this way he says now the works of the flesh are manifest. They're exposed. They're now seen. Because anything that starts in the thought will come out in an act. Iniquity is unveiled. The person sins. It is an action of what was going on in the mind or the heart of the person. How many know that? They didn't just steal. They thought about stealing. They didn't just kill. They thought about killing. Fornication, whatever it might be, it was a desire that was in the heart. Everybody touch your heart and say it's iniquity within. Iniquity is not an act, it's an atmosphere. What is iniquity? That's why the Bible says he was bruised for our iniquity. Where did he bleed? On the inside. Your thoughts, if they are not pushed back, 
or suppressed or rebuked will always lead to an action. And if you entertain yourself with things that are unholy, ungodly, things that aren't righteous, you're going you're gonna to begin to work iniquity. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. How do you work iniquity? You respond to an atmosphere that you've allowed. Y'all getting this? How do you get that? And so when the Antichrist spirit, which is up on the earth, he presents, he comes with an atmosphere. How many of you ever walked into the room and you could feel tension? So thick you can. Oh, you, you, we're on the same island. You know what I'm talking about. When, when the Antichrist spirit or an unclean spirit, there comes an atmosphere with that. You can entertain spirits. How many know that? Because the Bible says you can entertain angels. The only place that entertains in Scripture is talking about an angel. But if you can entertain an angel of the Lord, you can also entertain a fallen angel. And if we're not careful, we will allow ourselves to embrace through entertainment things that are unholy. Somebody say amen. And when you begin to embrace unholy things, you will have unholy thoughts, will become unholy actions. And that's where we get the word sin or trespass or transgress. Trespass is when you step across the line. Transgression is when you disobey the law. Sin, you can just sin and not even know it's a sin because you don't have any knowledge of the law. You're just fulfilling the lust of your flesh. Are y'all with me? And so he begins to address the root of the problem and the root of every sin is your flesh. Look at your neighbor and say, it's you. It's automatic. You know, I don't care... I don't care how long you've been in the church. I don't care if you were raised in this, your 10th generation, whatever, in the kingdom of God. Your kids are going to be born unholy. Right? Their first words are going to be, no, mine, and dad. Amen. Mama, whatever. They're going to, they're going to have these things. They're going to, every born with an element of selfishness because they are natural born Sinners, how many know that? Candy or green beans? They're going to want what they makes them feel the best now. That's going to harm them later. I preach to you today and teach to you because you are a grown-up child, and those desires are still in there to not do right. I don't care how long you're in the church, that there is this element of sin that you've got to deal with within in you. How many know it's true? Can any of us in the room backslide? Any of us fall away? What if we stop praying, stop going to church and nourish the wrong thing, and get nourishment from the wrong thing? We will change because God made us to conform to the atmosphere that we allow. You will shape to what you're around. Show me your friends and the books you read, and I'll show you who you are in a few years from now. Who you're around is who you will become. That's why church attendance is important. Is to get around holy people, like-minded people. It's important to get in the Word of God. It's important what music you listen to driving down the road. It's important what media you allow in your home because you will conform to whatever you're listening to. If you listen to negative all the time, you're going to talk negative things. But if you listen to positive things, you're going to start talking positive things. Let my mind be what God is saying and not what the world is saying. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so he said the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. He said these are there. They're dormant. They're within you. They're going to act out if you allow it. 
he said these are automatic. These are manifest. These are works of the flesh. What did he say? Adultery. Everybody say adultery. Fornication. Uncleanness. And lasciviousness. All of those are sexual sins. Adultery is an extra um, uh, relationship while you're in covenant with somebody else. You make a covenant in marriage, you say, only unto you, as long as we both shall live. But the flesh, you start listening to, the, to, to, to sensual movies of adultery. You don't need movies in your house that play adulterous scenes. You don't need to listen to music that plays adulterous music. You don't need a friend that's telling you, well, you need somebody else. That's not a friend, that's an enemy. How many know it's true? The Bible says, blessed the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor, nor uh, standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. You've got to fall in love with his word, and his word will cause you to make righteous decisions. Young people, listen to pastor. Fornication is any sexual act before marriage or covenant. You should not die. Watch, entertain yourself with. And when you can have video games where you can buy prostitutes, that's the world we live in. Well, it's just a game. It's not just a game. When I was growing up, they had Dungeons and Dragons. That was the game. It was pushed by the Spirit that puts these idols outside of these courthouses because the Ten Commandments are there. So they put a satanic emblem with little children looking up at him to get the Ten Commandments removed from our courthouses. That's what the devil wants to do. When you want to do right, he's going to try to send evil your way. He's going to try to send wrong to your way. And I want you to hear something today. If someone encourages you to live in sin or to be sexual before marriage, that is not a friend. If somebody tells you, don't listen to your mom and dad, don't listen to your youth pastor or pastor, that's not a friend. That is a tempter that the enemy is sending in your life to cause you to have regret. Can God forgive adultery? Yes. Can God forgive fornication? Yes. Can he do those things? But why have to live with the guilt of that? The Bible says that fornication should never be named among you one time. He even goes on to say that when you sin in fornication or a sexual sin, you are sinning against your own body. It's different from theft, lying, cheating, telling a, a false story. It's a sexual sin. Sexuality would join you to somebody with a permanent emotion that was only a temporary person in your life. Sex is only for married people. I realize when we talk like this, it gets a little awkward in the building. But trust me, they're hearing this from people in the world that's telling them to do opposite of what God's Word says. We need truth that'll come direct in love, amen, so they can raise up and be what God wants them to be without regret. Is His blood good enough to forgive it? Yes. But why have to live in the guilt of it when you can abstain from it? Oh, there ought to be some parents in the building say, come on, pastor, help reinforce the home, help reinforce the marriage, help us all, help us. Because the world will tell you, if you want to do it, just go ahead and do it. How many know that's true? And you start entertaining thoughts, and God, God made Adam and Eve 
He made two genders. There's not a mixed gender. That's right. Your chromosomes will tell who you are. But you don't let anybody come in if you're a girl, born a girl, biologically a girl, and tell you you're a boy. That's not of God. That's not of the Holy Spirit. Boys, the Bible says not only is homosexuality a sin, it says for a boy to be act effeminate is a sin. That means a man should be a man and not like act like in any shape or form like a girl. That's true. I don't care. I don't care what culture tells you. I don't care what the Supreme Court says is now a lie. Is now okay. I'm gonna tell you. God's word is the source of our kingdom, and we follow His word. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I'm, I'm now counseling good people that their children go in our schools and they're pulled aside and saying, don't you let anybody tell you. A girl, that's a girl. I've known her. Don't you, and, and, and they go and tell her, you need to go tell your family that you're now a boy and they need to, no one need to say anything different than that. We're living now in an area to where that our culture is trying to say that somebody that we don't even know can tell our kids who they are. Removing parental involvement from our children. The Bible said that a child left alone will give strain or stress to his mother. And I come to tell you, it's not the will of God for a stranger to tell you who you are. You need somebody with the heart in the book to say, this is who you are. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God's got a direct plan for your life. How many believe this preaching is true? Come on, I'm not brazen. I'm not even bold. I'm just standing on truths that we've had since the existence of the Word of God. And we need saints to stand up and say, I believe God's Word is the final say-so. That's what's going to stand with us in judgment is His Word. Come on, you start having thoughts not like of God. It's a spirit of iniquity. You say, get behind me, Satan. That's not of the Lord. Somebody say amen. I'm going to help you right now. And I know this church believes what I'm teaching. And I'm teaching them because there's a spirit of confusion coming to our young people all over the country. It really is. But you can't be for righteousness and be entertained by unrighteousness. You can't, you can't say, oh, I'm for, I'm for the, the traditional marriage of Scripture, but be entertained by shows that are opposite of what you believe. Everybody hold up three fingers. Three fingers. There's three steps to sin. Three steps to sin. First step to sin, hold up one finger. First step to sin is tolerance. Tolerance says it's wrong, but I will allow it around me. Tolerance leads to, number two, acceptance. I would never do it, but it's okay for you to do it. Oh, that's not for me, but it's okay that you do. Number three is participation. I, I don't, when it, when it comes to my marriage, I, I don't even joke about divorce. I just don't. We might joke about other things, but I'm not joking about divorce. 
don't joke about adultery. Because what you become comfortable with and tolerant of will later become accepted. And now because the conversation is so great, and young people, all you know I'm telling you the truth, that what I'm saying is right. And uh, I love you enough to stand between you and the voices that aren't right and tell you this is the word of God and this is truth. We, we live in a throwaway society. Instead of working it out, we just throw it away and try something else. And that's, that's where we are. That's where, where, where we live. And uh, I, I feel the Lord in this because the Bible says there will be the seducing spirits and doctrines of devils and that in, in the end times. So the last day, there's perilous times and dangerous times. There are going to be seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And who'd ever thought I had to get up in church and oppose doctrines of devils? But now... Now what was in the satanic church is now on the phone in everybody's home. Culture is no longer a community. Culture is now the phone. I want you to think about it for a minute. Culture is, is not, used to be in the community that the fad was what the community. I may remember pegging your jeans when you was in school. Do you remember that? Do y'all remember that at my age? I mean, you, you fold them at the bottom, peg them, roll them up. I go to the school and the girls say, why don't you peg your jeans? And I, I didn't even know how to do it. And one of the girls said, hey, let me do it for you. And she, I remember pegging her jeans. And I thought it looked silly. But that's what everybody was doing. And, and not too many years before that, it was bell bottoms. It went from tight. It went from, are y'all with me right now? Poodle skirts and bell bottoms and all these fads that happened. It used to be, how many wore bell bottoms? Any, any bell bottom wearers in the building? Poodle skirt, any poodle skirt people in the building? And that's before my time. I just want to clarify that. That's before my time. <laughs> but fads come and go. Hairstyles and all these different things that go. The fad is no longer the community. The fad is now the phone. Now the doctrine is no longer what was accepted in the community. It's now because people are glued to a screen. It's whatever they produce here that gets in here that they begin to do. Hollywood started that. Hollywood is, a, is not only entertainment. It's a doctrine. Why is it so quiet in here? But I'm not a bit nervous at your silence. I'm not. I know what God has given me. And Hollywood now has doctrines that they push. And we've got to be very, very careful. I'm not against information. I'm not against the news. I think you need to know what's going on. But it's like everything else. It needs to be governed. It needs to be governed. I'm not telling you to go hide in a cave somewhere until Jesus comes. But I'm saying that we've got to be careful what we allow in our children's ears, in our marriage. Just because it's cultural doesn't mean God likes it. Well, I'm American. You ought to be a Christian too. And when you're looking at this, and I'm going to say it again, be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear. There's a father up above who's looking down in love. Be careful little eyes what you see. The Bible tells us that it's here a little and there a little that people change. It's not just one moment and then boom, it's out. It's here a little and there a little. Line up on line, precept up on precept. It's, it's, you can build a great retirement that way. Start when you're 20. Don't wait till you're 50. Just a little bit here. Just 80 bucks here, 100 bucks here a month that you're spending at convenience marks. And I'd say to the 30-year-old, 40-year-old, try to do something. You can build a lot with just a little bit into retirement. But so, so, so you can also change from righteous to unrighteous. Just a tiny little bit, just a little dose.
dose of this and a little dose of that and a little view of this and a little bit of that until you don't even know it's so great. You override a conviction that God has put in your spirit. Next thing you know, your mind is out of control. Thinking thoughts that you can no longer suppress. You used to be able to push it back. You'd override it and repent of it and, oh God, I'm sorry. Then you'd, you'd wane, you would come out of that emotion and not long you've repeated what you repented of and feels no longer you can't suppress it. It's now taken over your life. Are y'all hearing me? That's why offenses need forgiven immediately because offenses will build stories that don't even exist. Well, I feel the Lord in this. Hold grudges against people should have been forgiven. And you build stories that aren't, aren't even real. You just start assuming things because the thought begins to spin out of control. When lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. There's going to be a moment in you that denies that sin. I'm not going to think that about them. I'm not going to hold that against them. Have I lost y'all today? Are y'all with me? I don't need something in my life that's, that's fueling revenge instead of forgiveness. Fueling lust instead of denial. Let everybody say amen. Now, now let's, let's, let's move forward. He, he talks about adultery, fornication, and cleanliness. Look what the next one is. Who would have ever thought that a work of the flesh would be idolatry? Idolatry. Everybody say idolatry. What is idolatry? It's the worshiping of an image. It's the worshiping of an image. How can that be a work of the flesh? I can't say in my life that I've ever just wanted to bow down before a Buddha statue or image of a man. You, you go overseas and you'll find that people are so enamored with statues of Simon Peter, even statues of Christ, that Simon Peter, his, his toe has disappeared. So many people have kissed that toe. It's true. You go over there, and I've traveled over in, in Europe in different places, and there are so many statues of saints and statues that people actually pray to statues. And uh, what's the source of that? Because we like to worship something in the flesh. In the flesh, we like to worship something we can see. Truth of the matter is, we, we like to walk by sight and not by faith. Thomas declared it in his humanity when he said, I'm not going to believe until I see. Not going to believe until I see. And Jesus said, it's better, better to believe and not see. Because God is not a man. He humbled himself, a man, and was manifest in the flesh. He's not a man that we can worship him as a man. How many know he is a spirit? Somebody shout hallelujah. Let, let's get to the word. So in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1, let's look at what it says about worshiping idols. This is in the Ten Commandments. And uh, it says, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Out of the house of what? Everybody say bondage. That's the key word here today. He said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. How many believe that commandment is still for us today? He said, For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of thy fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Meaning that... He brings judgment to those that commit it, to the kids, kids, even kids. 
and showing mercy, though, unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. He said, don't ever worship a graven image. Could I tell you today, you really don't know what Jesus Christ looks like. There was no photo photograph of him. There are some famous paintings of Christ, but you really don't know what that is. I don't think that we should be kneeling down and worshiping a picture of Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm reiterating here today in this teaching that I had a man one time that on a plane, he told me, he said, I, I worship icons. And I said, what's that? He said, an icon. He said, saints of the past that were holy. And, and I began to say, well, why don't you just pray directly to God? And he said, because I'm not worthy. What I've learned in idolatry is idolatry fuels unbelief. We do not need a God that we can set up and take down. We do not need a God that can be limited to one space in my house. I don't have to pray to an image because I serve a God that fills all space at all times. He's omnipresent, om omnipotent, omniscient. He's all-powerful. Hey, listen, and I'm, I'm preaching you the grace of God. That's what the book of Galatians is right now. He said, it's not fulfilling some checklist until you're good enough for God's grace to come up on you. He said, it's not about fulfilling the law. He said, it's about understanding you can have Christ in you and you in him. You are to be known of God and know God yourself. It's such a place that it's relationship. I don't have to go to a saint. I can go to the throne. He's given me access. He's made me worthy. Come on now. I don't have to pray to somebody else. I can pray directly to him. Hebrews 4 says, For the word of God is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing, the sun of the soul and the spirits and the joints and the marrow, and as a discerner in the thoughts and the tents of the heart. He said the word of God is so powerful, it will be tailored made for where you're at right now. He said, for all creatures are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we had to do. What does that mean? There's nobody hiding from God. There's nobody in a place that God can't see. It says, for we have a high priest who is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Therefore, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, who is tempted in all points alike as we are, yet we're without sin. Come on now. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I come to tell you, you can touch him. You don't need an idol. You need the Savior. You can touch him. Oh, somebody shout, you can touch him. And he said in Galatians, he said, why are you going back to these things? Why are you going back and observing the times, observing these things? Idolatry, he's actually talking about the law here specifically, but he's talking about you're going back trying to observe the times. Can I say what he is saying? He said, you don't need a horoscope. You don't just need to see what month you were born in to see what your future is going to be like. When you serve him, he's got your future in his hands. I don't need a palm reader. I don't need a psychic line. I've got one, amen, that loves me who declared my end from the beginning. He knows my name. He knows my wife's name. He knows who my children are. Would you stand here, be clap your hands and shout, he knows who we are. He knows who we are. Somebody say amen. amen. You believe God knows who you are? 
Do you believe he knows what your spouse's name is? Let me ask the young people, do you believe he knows who your husband's name is? How about your wife? I think he already knows. You start praying for your spouse now. Lord, keep them and protect them. I don't know who they are. Some of you think you do right now. Amazing how many of these young, young, young people can have my forever. Three weeks later, they have a new forever. It's on social media. Relationship update. Y'all don't need to be saying I love you when you're 14. You don't know what that is. All these promise rings. Y'all be seated. I need to take care of something here. You're a spirit of meddling. You got 12 years old. 12 years old with a promise ring on. Oh, help us, Jesus. Mom and dad, don't do that. Don't allow that. You got to be careful. You don't know what love is. Be careful who you let define what love is. I'm going to address something here, and I'm going to let you go because I'm committed to the time. But the, the next work of the flesh is, it goes from idolatry to witchcraft. They're, they're together as a work of the flesh. Everybody take two fingers and put them together. The Bible says rebellion. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. But it says stubbornness is as idolatry. It's in the same verse in the Old Testament. Stubbornness is as idolatry. The Bible teaches us to honor thy father and thy mother. And thy days shall be long upon the earth. These young people are amazing, but they're not perfect. Do you know not one place does it give a clause that your parents have to be honorable to honor? Well, they don't deserve it. That's what, not what the Bible says. They don't have to be honorable to honor. But honor thy father and thy mother, and thy days shall be long upon the earth. You have to have somebody in your life that's over you in your life. Do you believe that? But there's, there's this thing I'm going I'm to... Touch one, I'm, I'm, I'm going to deal with it next week because I've run out of time. But when you're talking about witchcraft, how is witchcraft a work of the flesh? I've never wanted to worship a spirit. I've never wanted to go to a witch. See, it's not in our culture, except it's called New Age now. It is. It's, it's, it's an insecure about what's going to be next. And so there are moments that, that you just have to trust God there's a, statement in the Bible, there's a statement that in the back of an old preacher's Bible it said there's one step beyond faith, it's trust. And there's going to be times in life you're wondering where God is. Have, me, have you ever been there? Witchcraft, witchcraft is a work of the flesh. And I'm going to tell you what it is. It's a substitute for God. It's a substitute for the Holy Spirit. It's against some not right spirit. Another word for witchcraft, you know what the word witchcraft comes from? The same word you get pharmacy. That's a scary thought. That's why you see the old witches with the stew. Simon the sorcerer, Simon the pharmaceutical. Boy, I've got people scared to death because you was at CBS yesterday. Walgreens came to your mind. That's not what I'm teaching. I, I take Tylenol and aspirin, but I'm going to tell you what we can't do. We, we cannot let a culture cause us to run to medicine before we first run to Christ. He bewitched the people through sorceries, and to me was some element of drugs or, or, or something that he would give them. And listen, drugs will make you open up to things. Most people, 
I would say most people that are incarcerated because of something they did while they were intoxicated. And we have a culture that is now, listen, they have decriminalized drugs in our culture. Young people, you don't need crack cocaine to find peace. You don't need alcohol to settle down. You don't need marijuana to get your nerves where they need to be. Uh-uh. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He's my stabilizer. He's my rest. He's the calmer in the midst of a storm. Help me believe that today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is there, is there an area, just remain standing in the room. Is there an area in my life that could need medicated? Well, absolutely. Am I against medication? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, but there should never be something that we run to before we run to Him. I did a whole panel, a whole panel about, about what do you do in broken moments and, and, and depressed times. And there's a place for medication in that. There is. I'm not, I'm not against that. But what I'm saying to you today is that, that we have to be very, don't, don't get out here misread. I, I, I feel like one of those old shows that says to be continued right here. But it's by his stripes we're healed. Do you believe he's still able to heal in the American culture? How many believe he should be our first go-to? Medication's not bad, but Jesus should be our source first. Look at your neighbor and say, I need you to pray for me because prayer works. Would you do that? I mean, believe God can heal the mind, the body, and the soul. Do you believe he can do that? He can do that. I have recommended a lot of people on medication and was their accountability. But I don't want to be misunderstood. There is a doctrine now that has moved into our culture that drug dealers in teenagers, adults, pushing things, that is now the cool thing to do. I don't want to be a servant to anything. I want to be a free in all things that I do. Amen? I want you to lift your hands and ask God to speak to your spirit. Would you do that? Lord, we thank you. I don't want anything, any spirit in my life. I want to take something that's going to open up spirits in my life. Lord, I want to do your will. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it all over this building. Lord, we love you and need you. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.